Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Good day and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Father Matt Malone, Editor-in-Chief of America Magazine. And I'm Eric Sundrup. And uh, each week we offer news and analysis at the intersection of the church and the world gathered by the team here at America Magazine. And one of our team, Zach Davis, joins us here in the studio. How are you, Zach? I'm great, Father Matt. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we're joined now by Sonia Livingston, who is a contributor to America Magazine and has a feature story in the most recent issue of America called, uh, What a Rust Belt Quest for a Missing Statue Taught Me About Devotion. Uh, Sonia is the author of several books of literary nonfiction, including the award-winning memoir, Ghostbread, and she divides her time between Rochester, New York, and Richmond, Virginia, where she is an assistant professor of writing at Virginia Commonwealth University. Sonia, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So for our listeners who don't know, um, what is the story? How did it come about? Um, and what did you learn? <laughs> just that, right? Just, just summarize it. Um, first, I'll just say I've, I'm. It, it's funny because I the, the story is about a search for a, a statue of the Blessed Mother from my childhood church, and I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. But when I've been telling people about what I'm doing, I, I basically learned not to tell people because it's it's an odd thing to do to, to to search for a statue, and especially after you know you were just talking about Puerto Rico, it feels a little funny to talk about something like this. But uh, basically. I I um, have been looking or, or, or spent the, the, probably the past year, but more specifically the season of Advent, looking for uh, the statue of the Virgin Mary from my childhood church, which uh, is a church in Rochester, New York, uh, that has merged with many other churches and uh, thankfully has survived uh, closure. Uh, but over the years, the devotional objects, including statues, have shifted around, and so uh, when I returned to the church four years ago at Christmas, there were many, many statues, but that particular statue didn't seem to be there anymore. And then when I came back the next Christmas, because I was a Christmas Catholic at that point, um, I really, really saw, noticed that uh, she wasn't there. And it bothered me. And I was curious about why it bothered me so much. I think I'm a rational person. And I, I understand that, you know, this is a this is a representation of Mary and an object and things go. Uh, but uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so um, and, I, and I also was very curious about what happened to all the other statues and all the other objects. For the first time, I think I felt the weight of uh, w- what happens when churches close. Yeah. I knew the human part of it, but I wasn't sure about the other part of it, you know, sort of the physical plant part. Was there something about this statue in particular that really spoke to you? Or, I mean, is it a conventional uh, representation of Our Lady? I think it is. I mean, I want to think that she's the most special statue in the world, you know, <laughs> but um, right. I think she's probably pretty traditional with a, a lovely blue cloak and a sweet face and a very peaceful expression. Uh, although, you know, one of the one of the fun things about looking for her was getting to see all of the different representations of Mary. Um, and so she she stands out and she's special to me, but she's probably, I, I think most people would think, oh, she's sort of a traditional Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. So, right. You, so you noticed Mary was gone. When did you decide to go look for her, and what was your first step? <laughs> um, 
Well, I, I think it was gradual. I think it was a gradual obsession. But, um, well, you know, I started to ask about, I, I actually asked the priest, and he was being very nice and coming over and saying hello. And then I was just an oddball and said, you know, hello, Merry Christmas, and what happened to the Blessed Mother? <laughs> what have know. you done with Mary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where is she? Right. Uh, and, 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 of course, there's a beautiful statue in, in her place now, so it's not as if we didn't have uh, beautiful images of Mary. In fact, I was thinking we have three in, in that church now and Mother Cabrini, so we have many um, uh, images of you know female figures on the altar, which is which is great. But I, I think I just was was really curious about what happened to statues, but also what happened to her. Uh, so um, I checked with somebody at the diocese of Rochester who knew only that she was in Buffalo, and I thought, well, how did she get? Why did she go to Buffalo? Because Buffalo <laughs> has had many right. many. <laughs> well, I mean. I think lots of good people go to Buffalo, but I think Buffalo has had many church closures, more than Rochester, and I thought, well, they should have their own. So that sort of, I think, uh, the the sort of, the I wanted to be Nancy Drew slash church lady and find the statue. That was one part of it. The right, right. I would picture you with a flashlight and a trench coat. Yeah, so I, I'm imagining, yeah, that, that cross between church lady and Nancy Drew happening like in these like dark sanctuaries in the crypts of the church. <laughs> that's exactly it. Exactly, I am proud of that. I am proud of that combination. You should be. That's something to be proud of. And, and you, were, you were traversing upstate New York during Advent, which I imagine was not a pleasant time to be traversing upstate New York. No, there was a lot of snow. I mean, yeah. it was very beautiful, but it's uh, it's pretty slippery too. So it was very snowy, and uh, it was definitely a big adventure to you know to go to these churches and look for her. So you found out that she was in Buffalo, and what happened next? Mm-hmm. What happened next is I I'm trying to remember the the path here. This should be clear. I thought, how could I find her in Buffalo? First of all, I nagged the poor woman from the diocese saying, are you sure you don't have records? What what happened here? And I think part of my interest was also just um, kind of trying to understand what happens to these objects on a wider scale, right? Yeah. Like, so are there records kept where, and, and sort of trying to make peace with the fact that on one hand, this is, this is just an object, just a symbol, but on the other hand, uh, it served as a, a, a symbol of something very important. She served as a symbol of something very important to me. So um, I eventually connect, I connected with a, a warehouse down in Pittsburgh, and they they get many objects from closed churches, repair them and sell them, including especially statues. And I didn't think that my statue would be there, but the first step, I think, was in visiting them and trying to figure out, like, what happens? How did you get these statues? Where are they going next? Uh, and so uh, I guess, yeah, n- not only Nancy Drew and Church Lady, maybe uh, maybe a really amateur anthropologist, because I was trying to understand, like, yeah. what happens here? How does this go? And that, that, uh, that was what I found yeah. so fascinating in your story, because you brought that out so beautifully, that, that, like, you know, looking into the history of these objects mm-hmm. and what it means about the people that, you know, whose lives are mixed in with these spaces, right? Like it's, it's that kind of that incarnational mystery of, you know, like this is the divine touching in at certain points. You know, it's not that that statue of Mary, you know, is, is, is the fullness of it, but it, it was a touch point for you and for probably many other people. Well, in this, in this used church items yeah. place in Pittsburgh that you describe uh, so well really brought me to like the setting of like a Flannery O'Connor short story. Like you walk in <laughs> and you have all these, ha- you know, haunting statues that are, you know, twinged with grace could you sort of just like set it up for our listeners like what happens when you walked in to when you walk into church use church items 
So when I walked in, I was greeted by an an army of beautiful plaster figures. <laughs> and uh, it, but 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 yeah, collectively, it's you know it really depends, I guess, on your take. This is I you know I write a little bit about my husband going with me to church, and he was not raised Catholic, and he doesn't really like those statues. He <laughs> was, he would be really creeped out by all of all of those uh, you know that greeting committee in the warehouse. But I was really interested in them. But uh, both things are going on, like this this beauty, uh, but also there's a little bit of sadness or, I guess, creepiness because these objects are not in the places where they were intended to be, and they're not currently being used the way that they were intended to be. So something about that is a little strange. Uh, but, but the warehouse itself was just packed with item, every conceivable item from churches. It was as if a thousand churches, and probably a thousand churches had uh, contributed, you know, items, you know, statues and uh, kneelers and vestments and, and uh, chalices and, and, and all kinds of things just, just there in this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh warehouse that you wouldn't know from the outside contained all of this. Uh, Sonia, you were telling us that you, you arrived in the place where these statues go. I had always kind of wondered where they go myself. Um, I did I did one uh, with Father James Martin. I went out to the this warehouse on Staten Island, which is where all these things in the Archdiocese of New York go. And it is a very interesting place because there is a kind of sadness to it because you you think to yourself, you know, all of these wonderful icons and symbols that people had prayed with and that they had celebrated with and that they had mourned with are, are here and you can't quite throw them out. And yet, there's no place for them to go. And so I identify with that feeling that you felt when you arrived in that in, in your warehouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's great that you had that experience because it's an unusual experience, you know. Um, yeah, so there was that there was that feeling. And of course, there are really good stories, too. I'd, I'd heard all kinds of stories about certain, you know, statues being sent to new churches in the South or, you know, so, so, so many of these things were being used, but those, right. The ones that aren't are, are, are the, are the ones that I was thinking about. So yeah, I visited and it was wonderful, wonderful. And uh, from that point, I, uh, instead of letting it go, which is what I should have done probably, um, I was even more charged about look, uh, looking for it. I think the other thing is there was a glut of statues, but they were all different. They, you know, right. like you just talked about the history and uh, people, people's use of them for prayer and their spiritual lives and all of that was there, but they each were their own object. And I, I looked at all of the different uh, Marian statues and, and they were like her, but also not her. So I, I wanted to keep going. And, uh, and so I eventually um, went to Buffalo and started looking for her. I, and I contacted the diocese, but I didn't, nobody seemed to really have a record about, you know, this one statue. I guess they have other things going on probably. <laughs> but, um, right. So, so I, I decided to, um, to go to Buffalo for, for a week. I had traveled a couple weekends before just to check some of the rural churches. And, you know, I put my Nancy Drew cap back on and looked at the churches that had merged recently or uh, where new chapels had been built. Cause I, again, was kind of wondering, well, who would need a new statue or who would need an old statue when they have so many. Uh, and, and, and that's what I did. I visited probably 25 to 30 churches out in Buffalo. And, and at some point you found what you were looking for. I did. I, just when I was going to give up, right? I mean, it's the way it always goes. I (laughs) I thought I should give up and it's true. I I should give up. Uh, It was Therese of Lisieux that you, you say you almost gave up, right? You saw that one? Yeah, well, and 
I think I it was my response. I was in this beautiful cathedral, St. Joseph's in Buffalo, and it was it was gorgeous. It was filled with Christmas trees because they were about to put them on the altar and you know in the sanctuary. And um, I realized that I had just run in like a madwoman <laughs> looking for a statue of Mary, and then I was going to just leave, like I didn't interact at all. And I thought this is really this has really gone a little too far. So at that point, I decided this is I'm going to I'm going to let it go. And in the meantime, I had written uh, an email to rectories in Buffalo. I, I, I say in the article that if I could have, I would have put posters up all over Buffalo. And I couldn't do that, <laughs> but I posted on Facebook and I sent emails and, and knew even as I was doing it that I was being slightly nutty or, or maybe more than slightly. Uh, but when I, when I returned from that last trip uh, through the cathedral in, in Buffalo, I had an email from a woman named Rosemary in Assumption Church in Buffalo who said, oh, you might want to check with Mary Holland. She, she runs the Buffalo Religious Arts Center. And I'd never heard of that. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. Uh, and I learned that this was a church that, that Mary Holland, uh, you know, a, a woman in Buffalo, uh, had heard in one year, I think it was 2008, that 70 churches were closing. And she felt so sad about it that she went and visited. I don't know if she went to all 70, but she went to as many as she could. And she eventually bought one, uh, the old St. Francis Xavier Church in the Black Rock neighborhood. And she converted it uh, into a, a gallery or a museum, and she collects objects from closed churches in Western New York in that in that gallery. So I connected with her. I, I talked with her on the phone and found out that she actually did have some Rochester statues. And of course, I was very excited, started having statue dreams and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> eventually, uh, went out there. When, when I could, because the weather was still pretty bad, and uh, we both couldn't get to each other. And uh, and that is where I found the statue of Mary, which was amazing. I'm still amazed that I found her. Okay, right. okay. Not to be a skeptic, but how do you know it was that, it was the statue? Oh, oh, really? <laughs> no, give, give it right back to him. Give it, this is perfect. Give it right back to him. Well, first of all, I, I, well, I have photographs. So I had photographs that I looked at because I started, you know what, I did start to blur a little bit. But honestly, <laughs> she, she, she was really special and stood out. And I spent a lot of time at church. I was a strange kid. I really loved, maybe it's not so strange, maybe I was a smart kid, but I, I loved going to Mass. And whenever I could, I'd go. And um, I, I grew up in a rough neighborhood that wasn't pretty. And, and I think a lot of the kids at that time went to church, uh, not only because it was a place of love and community, but it was really beautiful and we felt a little more beautiful inside it and inside the church and so um i had a good look at her i was pretty certain it was her so that must have been an amazing feeling when you finally you know you finally saw this statue and said oh my gosh that's mary that's the one i've been looking for yeah yeah it was you know i think i think i'm i don't sound rational probably because i <laughs> statue down <laughs> throughout western new york but oh i think rationality is overrated sometimes <laughs> I think it is too, but um, I tend to not get attached to things, believe it or not. And um, in this case, I was really overwhelmed and uh, and thought, "Wow, she's beautiful!" And it was it was really wonderful to see that she had a home, and it was a different kind of home. I guess I had been thinking I'd find her in a place where people still uh, were celebrating mass, um, but but still, she was in this beautiful place, and it was really great to find her. So I'm sure our, our listeners are, are asking, why? I mean, why, why were you so attached to this statue? And, and um, I'm sure all of us have some object like this in our lives, and, and yet you even went the additional step of tracking it down and doing the, 
doing mm-hmm. the footwork, the investigative work to, to find her. Um, mm-hmm. why, why do you think you did it? Why was it so important to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a couple of reasons. I think, um, you know, I, as I've come back to church, I've um, been taking a look at some of these traditions that as a child I just didn't really think about. I thought, or I thought they were sort of cheesy or old-fashioned, such as, you know, uh, us, we'd, we'd go to the Good Friday procession uh, downtown and carry the cross. And I think maybe as a kid I even was a little embarrassed of some of these uh, sort of devotional acts or objects that were a part of our uh, my family's uh, life. Um, but now, as an older woman going back, I, I am intrigued. I, I'm very curious about uh, not only the objects and the history, but uh, how they might help me on my, uh, on my journey spiritually. So I think that's one thing. But the other thing is that the church really was important uh, to the community that I grew up in. And, in, in, you know, the cities of Rochester and Buffalo have some of the highest rates of child poverty, and those are the same places where the churches are closing. And so even though I'm focused on a statue here, I think what I was really trying to do is uh, sort of figure out or explore what it meant that these churches were closing and and find a way to still, uh, you know, be to to practice devotion or be uh, joyful about, about the situation uh, in in the city. So I think beyond just curiosity, those were some things that were going on as well. Did you feel like you had a, a new insight to your, your own relationship with Mary throughout this whole process? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, that's a thank you. That's another reason, because I think, again, she was always a beautiful, comforting image in the church, and I always thought Mary was great, right, a, an example of faith. But this, again, it was during Advent, right? And so this idea of sort of wanting something but not knowing where it was going to go and being confused. On a very small scale, I think I connected with Mary and and her uncertainty and acceptance and grace. And so I think Mary as a figure absolutely uh, is important to me and became even more so. I think that was a big part of it. I also like the idea of Mary moving around in this way uh, from place to place, right? Which is what she does in the gospel too, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. But but also the you know not only in the gospel but in in the history of uh, of the church and in in uh, her appearances in uh, the various apparitions throughout the world, she's always showing up in the most unexpected places, right? The last place you expect to find her, right? Just when you're about to give up, there she is. Yeah, that's a great point. You should have written this essay. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. It does remind me of uh, a friend of mine who, you know, there are different religious communities who will go door to door knocking, and this friend of mine, uh, his dad when he would answer the door and would he would be asked, have you found, you know, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? He would respond, did you lose him again? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. pretty good. <laughs> right. Now, I, I, I'm also, I, I, I'm just, the, one of the images that struck, struck me so much when you were talking about this, walking into that, that warehouse or even the, the place with all these statues standing there and, and the mixture of emotions, like the, the, the sacredness that's going on there, but also the sadness that's mixed into that. For some reason, to me, that captures a sense of mystery that I I remember a little bit from my childhood too, like not fully understanding why we had these statues in the church, not fully understanding what was going on, attaching some awe to them that maybe they didn't merit, but some that they did, and and kind of recapturing that feeling, that, uh, the, the way you describe it in the um, 
the the essay, it really it brought me back to that, which I think is at the heart of understanding some of this, you know, religious experience and the importance of transcendence. I, I was I was just so happy to see that kind of played out there as you as you wander around the Rust Belt looking for a statue of Mary with no crown and no globe, right? I, I, that, that's how <laughs> right. you knew. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, right. And and that's even with my idea of sort of grieving for the closed churches that I had been thinking it's sad, and it is no doubt sad. Uh, but um, I think it's there are other opportunities, too. So uh, a lot of this, you know, deciding that, that one thing is sad or, 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 or lost completely um, doesn't have to be just that way. There was a lot of hope, and I met lots of really cool people while looking, and uh, people who were also really attached. I mean, Mary special to so many people, even people who don't attend Mass anymore, really connect with Mary. So it was, it was a, a, re- a good journey. Something that your essay got me thinking about is in our digital age, you can have an image, a, a devotional image or a photograph um, on a screen that can fly all the way around the world and it'll sort of look the same every time you pull it up, uh, whether it's, it, it'll look the same on the desktop, it'll even shrink to your your iPhone, but it doesn't have that same uh, aura that a physical, tangible statue has. So even like yeah. you might've seen similar statues of Mary in your in your hunt but mm-hmm. it wasn't that one right and I, I think there's a very Catholic idea behind or a Catholic way of looking at the world and that these tangible objects are, are, are tinged with grace in a way that yeah. digital ones might not be right right yeah yeah, yeah and there yeah I'm sorry go ahead no, I was just going to say I think I think I, well I'd rather hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> really? Cuz I think yours is going to be gr- what you're going to say is going to be amazing. <laughs> well, geez, well, we could just do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I think that that's spot on it that there's a um we're a sacramental people mm-hmm. and we're we're not just a sacramental people because we're Catholics, we're a sacramental people because we're people, mm-hmm. right? Um mm-hmm. that people come to know things, we come to know them through our senses. We, in a certain sense, we have to touch things and see things and taste things in order for them to become real to us. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why I think that the, the, the sacramental economy of um, Catholicism is so ingenious in a sense, because it really does has it has this intense, profound understanding and respect for how people, human beings, come to know things. And and mm-hmm. so you're right. There is some there is a there is an, a a distance in the digital world that maybe you don't experience in the in the world of three dimensions it also seems to me that like i have photographs now that i've had for 25 or 30 or 40 years and may and maybe someone before me had for 20 years Mm -hmm. right so this photograph might be 50 years old and the fact that it's Mm -hmm. kind of aged and frayed and bent and part of it is blurred now and there's a corner missing that's all part of the story of the photograph right and uh and an important part of it it seems Mm -hmm. to me it's like a story I always like to tell about my grandpa, who I really learned to pray from, was uh, when my grandma had cancer, someone printed out a uh, prayer to St. Peregrine for him, and he still, every single day, pulls it out and unfolds it, and to, it, it, today it's, you know, got holes in it, the ink is totally faded, um, but he still goes through the devotion of pulling it out, unfolding it, and saying that prayer that yeah. he now has memorized. Right. He doesn't need to read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something. Yeah, there's something really to that. So, Sonia, yeah. uh, we have about a minute left. What is the? W- this is Our Lady of Buffalo. 
Our Lady of Rochester, <laughs> Our Lady of the oh, Lost and Found. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I called her Our Lady of Prince Street because of the church that I grew up in, but <clears throat> I don't nice. know. Our Lady <laughs> is, okay. the, is the larger point because, yeah. you know, I sort of end, end the essay with returning to the church in the new statue, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and uh, the way that that works yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, the piece is called uh, What a Rust Belt Quest. Uh, for a missing statue taught me about devotion. It's by uh, the great Sonia Livingston. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your contribution to America. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. We were talking during the last break that uh, we just just sort of went through this process when we were cleaning out our headquarters where we were for 50 years and moving to our new place. And we had to make tough decisions about what do you keep and what do you not. And... um, yeah, that that stuff's important. There's a spirituality to it. There is a spirituality yeah. to it because we're spiritual people, um, whether we like it or not, and whether we acknowledge it or not. You've been listening to America This Week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Everything that we talked about today, you can find at americamagazine.org forward slash Sirius. And to subscribe to America, call 1-800-627-9533. That's 1-800-627-9533 for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Father Matt Malone. Thank you, and good day. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.